fans and welcome to this week in nickelodeon history we are covering all of the shows that started or ended on may 9th to may 15th and what a week it is uh for me at least in terms of nickelodeon um right now my office is in a bit of a a, a kind of a mixed mode if you will it's not 100 percent complete because i'm going to be moving my office at some point this year so I don't want to, you know, fully invest time into building, you know, how I want it to look when I just know in a few months I'm going to be end up taking all this stuff down. But in the meantime, I started really consolidating my Nickelodeon collection down to, you know, what I have. And for the first time ever, I've gotten to display it all in one area Um I really wouldn't say that for the first time ever. I mean, I've always had room in space. I, I, God, if you if you were able to see my my childhood basement room and how I turned that into a museum of of Nickelodeon of sorts. Um, but it's been a long time, um, and I've gotten rid of a lot of stuff from my my old collection because uh, for a while it seemed so scarce to find the old characters you know, growing up at like 18, 19, like they're not going to have that stuff new in stores. So, you know, if you ever went to a tag sale or Goodwill and you see a classic Nickelodeon figurine or something like that, you pick it up. But at now that I'm like 30, I'm, I'm a lot more picky on what I want in my house. And, and some of the old toys are cool. Like there's some things I have in my Nickelodeon collection that I'll just never get rid of that I absolutely love. Um, but there is a portion of it that I think I, I would just kind of get rid of. And uh, even when it comes to just new items, I'm I'm pretty picky. But I got that just kind of completed enough in my office to make it feel sustainable for the next few months. So I'm not just like I'm not in complete emptiness. I have some semblance of creativity and decoration and whatnot. Uh, and I actually was able to get. Uh, uh, actual frames for two movie posters. Uh, I got a uh, Rugrats movie original theatrical poster and the SpongeBob movie promo poster for the original first movie. Uh, the the teaser poster uh, of like SpongeBob's feet and then his underwear and then his pants. Uh, I I was able to get both of these in just complete min condition from a gentleman in New York City. Uh, who is who is very gracious. Uh, we had a nice conversation about just movies. He had a, a great deal of uh, uh, posters and whatnot. And um, just through our just communication, seemed like a very nice gentleman. And uh, and I thought I, I got a, a very good deal on, on these posters. So Target eventually got in movies, uh, movie size poster frames that look like they belong to target. Like they were fairly cheap in my opinion, because the last time I remember looking at target, they were outrageously priced. 
um, where Amazon and Walmart were were cheaper, but then had like worse frames. I don't know. I'm I'm picky with that kind of stuff, but but these frames top notch. Highly recommend them for the price they are. So I was able to get those framed and sitting around, and and man, it it's one thing to have a movie poster rolled up, but when you can actually have it framed out and you can look at it, uh, and and to just have the original posters. Uh, my goal is to inevitably get every Nicktoon movie poster that I can get my hands on. Uh, I I also have the Sponge on the Run uh, movie poster, the original one, uh, before it got moved. And, and I don't know if any of those posters got printed when it originally, because it got postponed for a few months. And I don't, I know that they had posters online and changed the date, but I don't know if they sent out and like printed those posters out. So no, but I have like the original date Sponge on the Run. Uh, uh, movie poster. I just don't have a frame for it, but I, I will eventually get one. Uh, so th- all of that news led up to the announcement that on the CW, Legends of the Hidden Temple is being revived as a brand new rebooted competition for adults. You heard me right. So instead of taking children and putting them through uh, both physical and knowledge-based challenges, they will be taking the kids who grew up watching the show going through what I imagine is still going to be physical and knowledge-based challenges. Uh, Now, I have talked a massive game for a long time about how I would do on Legends of the Hidden Temple. And to be perfectly honest, it really comes down to the end part. Uh, it comes down to going through the actual temple that I, I become very cocky about, uh, simply because I know the temple design like the back of my hand. And, you know, when you watch kids, they get lost and they they make mistakes that kids would make. And, and I'm very much an armchair, like an armchair driver. Uh, in that regard. So uh, I, I've just talked a big game. And of course, one of the most frustrating challenges to watch is the the Shrine of the Silver Monkey and putting that thing together and watching child after child just fail and fail. And you go, do these kids not watch the show? Do they know how that that monkey statue goes? So I've I've once again talked a massive game up about this show for so long not even taking into account the challenges that come before that i i don't know how i would fare but here's what's going to happen uh i weighed myself today and uh although i don't look the number my weight number has nothing to do with the way i physically look uh i physically look You've seen me in videos. If you if you're on the YouTube channel, I have my G4 audition video out there. You can see my full body. Uh, I I am a stocky fellow. I'm a bigger guy. I've got a bigger build. Um, I'm definitely on the heavier side, but uh, I I'm definitely overweight. But I like I'm not morbidly obese. But my weight, like the number, is just crazy. But I also want to bring up that uh, muscle weighs more than fat, and I am certainly uh, when it comes to weights, I am no slouch. Uh, I, I used to hit the gym a lot in high school and also being a part of the backstage crew and drama club required a lot of heavy lifting, including uh, massive amounts of pews that you have to lift and, and get off silently a stage within like three seconds. Uh, big, massive double doors 
that have to get dragged out. Like I, I've, I, I have a lot of muscle, but I am at 320 pounds. So it's about, it's a pretty, it's, <laughs> it's a big number. Uh, but from this day forward, I am taking on a very strict diet regimen, diet and exercise regimen. I already walk a lot, but I'm going to increase the amount I'm walking and I'm going to keep up my, uh, my progress through this podcast. Now, the amount I've already talked about it is more than I, uh, than I plan to on future episodes, unless there is more to talk about. Uh, but from this day moving forward, I am going to lose the weight. I am going to gain even more muscle and I am going to get physically and mentally prepared to challenge Olmec and the Hidden Temple the best I can. That is a promise. Now I have uh, accountability, live accountability with anybody who listens to this podcast and anybody who cares about this progress. I have accountability with you. So uh, I'm going to keep moving this forward. Um, and there's there's not going to be any BS. If I happen to go up in weight, then I go up in weight and I'm going to keep progress on things. If that means uh, live updates on Twitter or Instagram and live weigh-ins, I don't care, whatever I have to do. But this is going to be my mission moving forward. Hopefully I can lose enough weight that by summertime we can start uh, uh, really shooting some live action projects around this because I, I really want to put it out there. Uh, so this project actually, the I don't know if I mentioned it, it's going to the CW, which is really weird, by the way, that uh, for Viacom, for them having Paramount+, Plus for having Nickelodeon, for having MTV, for having Comedy Central, for having a lot of already adult-centric channels for the CW of all places to pick this up. I, you know, it's a business after all. And if the CW has this idea and presents it to Viacom and says, hey, we want to take this IP you have and we want to make a show about it, money talks. If, if they don't want to do it themselves and the CW wants to put it on, that's fair game. Uh, I, as far as w- the content of this show, I, 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 Olmec is, is all but confirmed to come back. Um, and I imagine that his original voice actor, D Bradley Baker would, would also love to come back as well. I think that's, I think that's the, I, I, you know, I'm checking just to be safe, but I, I think I've got it down anyway. But I, I Olmex all all but confirmed. But it, it, they said it's it's going to be centered around adults. So I imagine people my age who, as I mentioned earlier, grew up with the original show, who get to go on and actually, you know, maybe put their money where their mouth is. Because I can't imagine I'm the only person who who really stacked up and said, "Hey, I could, I could probably, I could probably do this." I could probably do this a lot better than any of the kids on that show. I mean, how many of you out there probably listening challenged those children or or sat there on the couch or chair and like, you know, laughed at their mistakes? Uh, yeah, uh, D. Bradley Baker was uh, was the narrator and was uh, was Olmec there. I, he's got to come back. I imagine like best case scenario for this show to be successful is you just take the exact show and you just have adults on. You might have to size the props up 
Um, you might have to size the the different, um, you know, the mini games, you know, the main games where they have all the teams and then they, you know, have the steps of knowledge. It's easy to still make steps light up and, and you can just ask trivia questions. It's still interesting for adults. You could just age up the questions a little bit more. Um, then you go down to like the the other physical challenges and you just you age everything up. And then when you get to the temple, you you build an adult version of that temple or or you don't or you don't. You keep the exact same size temple and you just have adults go through it like that's ultimately what I would would really love um, more than anything else. Just to go through the original one uh, size included. But um, this is this is something that's going to be really, really interesting to see moving forward. It's it's something I've said for years. Some of these old shows still have great concepts that can still be done in 2021. Legends of the Hidden Temple, 110 percent can still work today as well as it did in the 90s. So I'm glad it's coming back. And uh, for any of you that are going to join me on this journey, I appreciate it. And this is the perfect place for it to be on. It's Nickelodeon related and uh, it's my show. But just like the namesake of this show, uh, let us jump into this week in Nickelodeon history. There was, I, I didn't mind being a little bit more long-winded about uh, the Legends of the Hidden Temple and any of the other stuff because we don't have much to go through today. Uh, but we are going to be starting, uh, surprisingly, seven years ago on May 9th, 2014, the, the uh, final episode of Brain Surge premiered on Nickelodeon. Uh, Brain Surge was a return to form for Nickelodeon because there was a long time that Nickelodeon didn't really have many game shows. They just kind of flat out stopped doing them. Um, and... Brain Surge kind of came out of nowhere and I didn't really watch the show, but I was I was very much happy to see its existence. Like I was I was like, hey, hey, I'm glad kids get to have a uh, a game show because game shows are fun to watch. I mean, they're, you know, especially as a kid and, and growing up, I have fond memories about Double Dare, Legends of the Hidden Temple, uh, Figure It Out. There, there was a lot of them. Guts. Uh, all of the different iterations of Double Dare that they had over the years. Uh, Nick Arcade, absolutely fond memories, so it, it should exist. Uh, it went three seasons, 120 episodes. It was created by Scott A. Stone and Clay Newbill. And the, the host of the show was Jeff Supfin. And if that name doesn't sound familiar, this other one should sound familiar. Uh, he is better known as Pick Boy. Pick Boy, who is a long-running live action uh host uh uh ma mascot if you will of Nickelodeon that that Jeff has been playing since 2002 uh but yeah he hosted Brain Surge here uh, it lasted a long time 2009 all the way till 2014 so it, it really uh left its mark there 14 years ago on May 13th 2007 the, uh, the final episode of The Search for the Funniest Mom in America premiered on Nick at Night. Yeah, we actually dived into Nick at Night tonight. This ran for three seasons with roughly 18 episodes and was originally hosted by Sandra uh, Bernhard, was, uh, was then eventually hosted by Katie Seagal with the last batch of episodes hosted by Roseanne Barr. Um... 
all uh, each season had ten female comedians, all mothers, competing to be named the funniest. The winner got fifty thousand dollars and the chance to host a special night of programming on the network. For the first two seasons, the prize also included the opportunity to, opportunity to develop her own show for Nick at Night. This was dropped for the third season. No television series starring any of the winners has made it to air. I mean, come on, guys. That's that just you that, do something. I, I why not? Unless the the ratings for this show just were in the can and and the just the excitement wasn't there, uh, but what a what a promise to make and I I wonder how how far in development they really got with that, or if it was just something that they just kind of told the the audience like that's that's a puff a puff prize and really you know the end result is whoever wins they just get cornered for like ten minutes with an executive and they're like okay come up with a come up with a show you have ten minutes. You can you can pitch whatever you want to me, and if and if anything isn't good within ten minutes, I'm leaving, and that's it. And and we've obligated our prize as seen in your contract. And they did that twice, and then just realized like they're wasting their time, and just you know gave it up for the third one. Uh, let's uh, the the first season ran for five episodes during spring 2005. Uh, Darlene Westgore was declared the winner. The second season. Aired for six episodes during spring 2006, and the winner was Ruby Nichols. And the third season ran for six episodes, and the winner was Vicky Barbolak. So congratulations to the, uh, the the trio of funniest moms in America, ending its run 14 years ago. Now, I didn't need to... Uh, Wait till till our emails later to mention the amount of emails I got. Now, it wasn't obviously like a hundred of them, but uh, I, I did receive emails from a few of you mentioning my blunder from last week missing the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour and its anniversary last week. And I, I it's an absolute massive mistake on my part. It's it's a massive mistake, you know. My thought, honestly, as far as the show moving forward, uh, one of the things is that I feel like with each and every year of this week in Nickelodeon history, it's just going to get a bit more robust. I want to eventually add in, um, uh, you know, specific episodes and moments in Nickelodeon history and, and really dive deep week after week. So. We're in the first year. I'm going to make some mistakes. I apologize. But with the amount of shows we're going over today, I have no problem talking about the Jimmy Timmy uh, Power Hour. Uh, 17 years ago. I'm just double checking. Yes. 17 years ago, May 7th, 2004, the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour premiered on Nickelodeon. I can't even begin to tell you how big of a deal this was. If you were a kid at the time and a fan of both of these shows, this was a monumental moment, a moment that doesn't happen that that very often in cartoons. And maybe now at this point in 2021, we can come up with a few times a big crossover has happened. But even by 2004, it wasn't anything that was considered normal. And it's one thing to have a crossover that's exciting. It's another thing when the two shows crossing over are of different animation styles and characters have to be 
animated in a different style. Like that that's the most exciting part. Um, like when I think of the of the world's biggest, like most exciting crossovers, like some of the biggest, even as a kid, I remember was the Flintstones meets the Jetsons, the 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 past meets the future, this big Hanna Barbera movie event. But that's the thing is that the fact that both of those shows were made by the same studio, they have very similar animation styles. Therefore, when the Flintstones meet the Jetsons, it's just exciting because the characters are meeting. the The animation kind of stays the same and. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Like it works for that movie, but when do we get this moment where, where characters get to go into each other's shows? It does not happen as, as often as I can think of, uh, Cartoon Network has done a fairly good amount of, of really good crossovers in the last few years, uh, especially the, uh, the crossover Nexus special that I think was from, uh, uh OKKO. OK absolutely wonderful special and just the amount of nods to Cartoon Network's history is just absolutely fantastic if you if you love Cartoon Network in any semblance go and watch that special um but like you know like that you had characters come into that universe and uh, all kind of be animated together but but this is the first thing that comes to mind and the biggest the biggest one I can think of uh and and it just it works on all levels it just it works. They found a way for this to mesh whoever's decision, whoever was the first light bulb of these two shows working like kudos to you, madam or sir. But you deserve all the credit in the world because this works. Uh, the worlds of Jimmy Neutron and the Fairly Odd Parents inherently don't match up next to each other. One is a 2D animated show about a boy with magical fairies with seemingly infinite power held by a series of rules. And the other is a CGI show about a boy with uh, the world's biggest brain and can invent anything. Those shows don't work together until the, the uh, Timmy Turner figures out that like he can wish to go wherever he wants. And really he can wish to go into another universe uh, which he does. He wishes to go to the to the best the best lab in this universe or in another universe or any universe, the greatest lab. And he gets transported into Jimmy Neutron's world, into Jimmy Neutron's lab. Uh, unbeknownst to Jimmy, Timmy Turner also has a magical uh, wand pen that when is pressed, zaps him back to his room at a at a blink of an eye. It's his kind of defense mechanism out of getting out of uh, uncomfortable situations. So Jimmy Neutron eventually takes this pen, thinking it's one of his micro lasers, and zaps himself to Timmy Turner's bedroom. Uh, now, this is without Cosmo and Wanda knowing what's going on. Uh, uh, they wish him to the to the lab, but they kind of just leave after that point. They know he's he's off on his own. And we are now on an adventure where Timmy Turner is in Retroville and Jimmy Neutron is in Dimsdale. And they found a really unique way to kind of get around some of the rules of each series, especially with the biggest one being Cosmo and Wanda. One of the rules of the Fairly Odd Parents world is that if anybody finds out about Timmy's fairies, they will take them away. Like, that's just the rule. You can't tell anybody you have magical fairies or else you will lose your magical fairies. Um, but the the loophole here is that, A, 
um, when when Jimmy Neutron came across Cosmo and Wanda, it was almost their mistake. Timmy didn't say anything about them. And and Jimmy Neutron's deduction of them is that they're computer programs. Uh, and when Timmy is even confronted with this information, just completely rolls with it, therefore negating any rules of him having to lose Cosmo and Wanda, and they get to freely be around uh, uh, Jimmy Neutron and his friends, which then helps out for future sequels and whatnot, you know, to explain why Cosmo and Wanda can just hang out with all of these characters and still use their magic at free will, which definitely helps out when you're going to make sequels out of this, which is exactly what they did. Uh, there were two more sequels, an entire trilogy of Jimmy Timmy Power Hours, each one featuring new characters that would get animated uh, into the other's world. Now, the the second one just blew everything out of the water. The first movie pretty much just had Jimmy and Timmy in each other's worlds, although we did get uh, Goddard in a pseudo, fairly odd parent style, but like also this kind of 3D uh, image. And I, I don't think we got anyone else in, in Jimmy's jimmy's world but the the second movie not only did cosmo and wanda get to go to retroville but also jorgen von strangle got to get uh the cg treatment but all of jimmy's friends cindy carl sheen libby and professor calamitous got to go to the the world of dimsdale the fairly odd parents a lot of the movies feature a, a lot more of the of the fairly odd parents animation than the Jimmy Neutron animation, but that was the one that was always the best. I thought it was way more exciting to see the 2D characters in the Jimmy Neutron style. Like, I wish they did more. I, I wish we got to see Vicky and Timmy and, and uh, Timmy's parents and, uh, you know, even characters like uh, uh, Francis and I, I don't know. I could go on like the Crimson Chin in, in Jimmy Neutron's world would be awesome to see. Now, to round out the mentions of uh, the crossover. Uh, in Jimmy Timmy 3, Chester and AJ, Timmy uh, Timmy Turner's friends, made it over to Retroville for a short scene and got the CG treatment. A little bit of an underwhelming one, too. Uh, and for first off, uh, uh, AJ was wearing a spacesuit throughout the entire episode, and um, therefore when he came over to Retroville was not wearing his normal clothing, was wearing this weird, like, spacesuit. Uh, and was was delusional throughout the entire episode. Uh, and Chester just didn't really turn out that well in 3D. It was definitely off. Uh, we eventually got a bunch of Retroville characters in a pseudo. Um, they were drawn in the Fairly Odd Parents style, but um, it was during this scene that was like a, a mixture of the two universes, the, the 2.5D universe. So they were two-dimensional characters that ended up having three-dimensional depth, although they were just drawn like the Fairly Odd Parents style. So we got Mrs. Fowl. Um, I believe we got Jimmy's parents uh, in, in the Fairly Odd Parents style. The third movie is, is definitely a bit underwhelming after the first two and and it definitely was it was rushed it had to have been rushed because i remember the the second movie coming out in february and then already in july of that year they they had the third one ready to go they knew that these things were ratings ratings juggernauts so they just went all in on these uh jimmy timmy power hours we'll uh we'll definitely catch more of we'll talk more about these as they come out but to to talk more about the first one i i absolutely love it it still holds up it's a wonderful story 
that they tell here, and they found a really interesting way for both characters to work in each other's worlds. Um, it's it's just as exciting to watch now as it was when it first came out. It fits in the canon of both shows, and it doesn't jump the shark. It isn't weird. It, it just it just works. You accept it. As long as you're a fan of both shows, you can fully accept it. Uh, no problem without any issues. And we end today's episode with 19 years ago on May 11th, 2002. The show Taina finished up its run. Uh, created by Maria Perez Brown, Taina lasted two seasons with 26 episodes. It was starring Christina Vidal, and uh, was was a show about a character named Taina who wanted to be a singer. She wanted to be an actress. She wanted her name in lights. She wanted to be a celebrity. Uh, and it was a it was a taped kind of teen you know sitcom. Uh, and and I uh, I caught a few episodes as a kid. I I don't want to necessarily say I hated it or disliked it. Uh, it was definitely uh, I was not the age for it. I was not the the appropriate audience to watch it, so therefore I didn't watch it that often. Uh, but it seemed like a it seemed like a good show, and it you know hey two seasons is a good run, and I I know it still runs in and off of of Teen Nick once in a while, so I'm sure even people have have watched it now, and it, it's and it's on Paramount Plus, so uh you know definitely check it out. It, it 26 episodes is a breeze to get through if you're somebody who enjoys sitcoms, and that is this week. In Nickelodeon history, thank you to everybody who checks this out. Please, if you are a fan of the show in any way, shape, or form, just a fan of this part or a fan of the Squarecast or a fan of my work, do what you can to to help out the show in any way, shape, or form. It could be sharing a link on social media. It could just be finding us on Twitter and just letting me know what you think. That's right. You can send me emails and I will answer questions here about Nickelodeon's history, my personal tastes, anything you would like to know or have me talk about. You can reach me at snailmail at euphonics.com, U-F-O-N-Y-X, snailmail at euphonics.com. Uh, send me anything there, Nickelodeon related. And if you send me anything SpongeBob related, I may end up reading that over on the Squarecast. So uh, definitely keep an ear out for the uh, SpongePod Squarecast if you are a uh, fan of SpongeBob and send anything from uh, from email wise over to there. But thank you for joining me this week. Thank you for being a part uh, of my weekly routine here with uh, this week in Nickelodeon history. Uh, take care. Stay safe. Be true to yourself. And keep an eye out for those around you. We'll see you here next week on This Week in Nickelodeon History. On the Lord of Hibbert, Nick. On the Lord of Hibbert, Nick, Nick. On the Ricky Tiggy Low, while living number one, Nickelodeon.